Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Don't Miss This Podcast, a Come Follow Me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. We fill this show up with all the things we think you don't want to miss in the scriptures every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. I'm David Butler. I'm Emily Freeman. Welcome to Don't Miss This. So happy that you're here. So happy. It is crazy to be in 129 to 132. Yeah, it's so crazy. And I just remembered something. What? In the last video we recorded in the basement, I had hair sticking up like alfalfa for the whole (laughs) video. And you never even said one thing. We were too far in. By the time you noticed, you I thought you Should were you have, like, trying to look like one of those like um, feather ladies oh my or whatever. Heck. I, I didn't know what. Yesterday and I was like, is my hair sticking up like that the whole time? And you said nothing. <laughs> I thought that was a look you were going for. Next time I hope you have mustard it's all Halloween. over your shirt. <laughs> <laughs> no one says anything. That was a costume. I'm never telling you if there's stuff in your teeth costume. again. <laughs> okay, go on. Okay, this section of the Doctrine and Covenants is... So thrilling, and it's actually going to make you really excited for Old Testament year. We just keep this keeps coming up. Honestly, I said to someone the other day, "You you will love every other book of Scripture so much more once you understand the Old Testament," and that's true of of this section that's right here. So we're going to jump into some of that stuff. Yeah, and we're kind of excited because we, for just a second, get to teach about the Old Testament. Yeah, it's our it's our dream. It's a sneak peek. Okay, so hold on. I'm going through every screen I have in America um, because I want to. We want to start with this verse from mm-hmm. last time's lesson in 128, and we hinted at it just a little bit. But I think this is it's from from one of his letters. Remember, and this is when Joseph is learning about sealing power and connecting the whole human family and baptism and work for the dead. Not even work for the dead yet. Just kind of baptism for the dead and and he's moving through all of that. Then he makes this comment in the letter. It's 128 verse 18 and he just says this. Um, he's talking about this dispensation which he calls in that verse the fullness of times. And he says... There are things in this dispensation. He says, in this one, we'll have um, keys and powers and glories and things that have been revealed from the days of Adam all the way to now, including things which have never been revealed from the foundations of the world, but have been kept hid from the wise and prudent. They shall be revealed unto babes and sucklings in this, the dispensation of the fullness of times. Hmm. Which is so interesting. It's such a cool question before you even start this lesson is to think to yourself, what am I? We have the primary program next week in our oh, ward. I love it's the my favorite. Program. It's my favorite week of the whole year. It's Halloween. God bless the primary presidency because it's the day after <laughs> trick or treating. And I asked the primary president yesterday if my kids can wear their costumes. T-shirt. But <laughs> why should they not? You were in a costume, but don't miss this. I don't know. But Mariah um, yesterday wore a bow this big that she got from tickets at an arcade to church. It was as big as her whole entire head. That's my girl. They can do that. Um, so what will they know in primary that would be new or considered like something different? Like, wow, that, like, that would be like just this information that a, a, a little kid can rattle off revealed in this dispensation, but would be new and, and just nuts to somebody who wasn't used to it. And, and so that's fun just to think about for a second, like, what would I add um, to that list? And today we are going to look at something um, that William Clayton calls um, a collection of truths. Um, this, these sections that we're in, we'll tell the story as we move through them, really come from, from notes. William Clayton was Joseph Smith's personal secretary, and Joseph just had him in tow during the Nauvoo years. And he's just like, you just write down everything as we go through. And he is just writing down things that we learn. Um, and you one, love that he's like, I think this will be important. I think this would be important. I think this yeah. would be, he's just like grabbing all these important things. And we were talking about earlier, we read through them and we're like, I already know that. I already know that. I already know that. But when these things came out back then, it was like a showstopper. Like people yeah. were like, what? What right, do you mean? Right, right, right. So what we hope to do is kind of move through this and learn it as they learned mm. it. And kind of like try and put yourselves in the shoes of the people who were like hearing this for the very first time. So It reminds me, let me just tell this story because it's one of my favorite. 
um, my friend Nish, who is a traditional Christian, and her and I love to text back and forth. And she does her own study and just kind of learns at her own pace. And one day she texted me. I always know something really awesome is about to happen because she will text me with what in all caps with question marks and exclamation (laughs) marks. And that's how it starts. It's just like, what? And then I'm like, can't wait to see like (laughs) what's going to come. come. And um, today we're going to talk about one of her what's because she texted me and she was like, you believe there is a heavenly mother? And (laughs) like in my mind, I was like, I've known it since primary, right? It is that is not new news to me. Seriously, it took two hours to mm. talk through. Show me how you know that. Show me where you found that. Now start showing me where it shows up in other places. And she was like so intrigued by the fact that our father would have a mother as part of that yeah. belief system. Yeah. And I, my guess is that is how these things work with section 129, section 130, 131. It was the what with exclamation marks and question marks of like, wait a minute, is this like, is this true? Yeah. We believe this? Yeah. Yeah. And to be able to back up and look at it and just be like, it rattles off people's mouths. Like that just rattles off their tongues. These truths that they say and they're like, stop. Even today I had one of those moments. You know how that happens every once in a while where you're just like things that are just like, and, and you try and express your excitement about it. And everybody in the room is like, yeah, yeah, like we know. We, we know, <laughs> we know. And for me today, it, it, it was about prayer. And I was like, you guys, God like listens to people's prayers. Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, no, like, like, you, like he's so busy. He has like a, a lot going on, but he like sits and he like listens. And everyone's like, I know. And I was like, no, 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 I don't think you know. I don't think you know. Because when someone gets really powerful or famous and gets the blue check on Instagram, like they stop responding to people. Like the more famous you are, you're, like, you're, you're unavailable. And he's like available, the most available and most famous. And everyone's like, uh-huh. But you know, you get yes. this like, yeah, this and is you rad. Feel like that is that we're going to watch that happen. Starting in 129, there are going to be things that when you read them, probably as you were studying for this lesson, you were like, oh, I know. And I know that. And I like, where's the thing? Where's the thing that I need for this week? And to go clear back in their shoes and be like, I mean, what's the first one? We started Oh, yeah. Well, at let's it. read those first questions that are actually in the come follow me oh, thing. Yeah, I thought it was so, good. so awesome. So in the, in the whatever it's called the, on the app, the come follow me for this week. He's talking about the workbook. The, the workbook. The teaching manual. That is also an app. Yeah. Um, it asks... It it wants you to ask these questions as you learn, as you study. What do I learn about God? What do I learn about life after mortality? And how does that knowledge affect my life here? So cool three questions to kind of think through as as you look at all of this. We're not going to spend any time on 129. Um, Section 129 is a section that was was given specifically to... um, the, for members of the Quorum of the Twelve and their ministry to the world. But one thing that might be interesting about 129, except for the fact that I used to read it at night just in case an angel came to my room <laughs> and I would know what to do. <laughs> I seriously would be laying in bed. And I would be like, like what am I, supposed to I do? forgot what I was supposed to do. Read there was like, yeah, I really would. I Turn on my light an angel and I would read it and then be like, and Is turn it off. Is your favorite line the one line that says, um, let's see, it's the one where he's like, he will stand still. He will not move. I love that. Yeah. And he will not move. It's <laughs> awkward. You're like, I what are you doing? He's not going to leave. He's not going to do any. He's just going to wait and be like, yes, I am an angel. Yeah. So mm. these are some familiar words to some of you about three grand keys, about detecting evil and false spirits. And, and really the context of this was given to the Quorum of the Twelve for their particular ministry. So there might not be a ton of personal application for for a lot of us. I do love, though, that once you get into 129, you are already on the topic of angels and, like, heavenly things. You know, you're just in that. And that they could that... possibly visit you. Right, I mean, right, the fact yeah. that you, like, were like, I got to read this before I go to bed, just yeah. in case. That, like, Joseph is, like, introducing this way of existing that people are like, okay, hold on. Right. Is that true? Even those things we read last week from President Nelson, where he's like, let me teach you the pattern of, uh, you know, of um, entertaining angels, you know, and you're, and you're kind of like, wow, 
Like we're living in this world where we actually believe there is another heavenly realm that can interact with this one. And so that might be like really quick, like, oh yeah, angels, Christmas, Merry Christmas. But it's like, whoa, like angels yeah. can visit and minister yeah, and to you this lo- earth. And you loved when President Nelson in the very last conference was like, and let me show you how to, and you were like, we have a, like a manual, you yeah. know? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I want to know how to do that. I love this how-to book from President Nelson. So section 130 is so fun because it is a dinner party at Joseph's sister's house. That's where they are. You'll look at the heading in Ramus, Illinois. That's where one of his sisters lives. And they are there just having dinner. And um, Orson Hyde had taught something about, um, he had given a little message and speech and he taught about how God dwells in your heart. And Joseph just listened, it was done. And then at dinner time, he was like, hey, can I um, correct something that you said in your little sermon? And he's like, sure, I, I'd love for you to. And then so he's like, okay. And he corrects it. And William Clayton's like, well, that's good. People are going to want that. And then once Joseph opened that door up, everybody at the dinner party started asking questions. And William Clayton is writing them down as we move through. So it, this was just a collection of them, little thoughts that he thought would go really, really well <laughs> together in and section 130. And don't you ever have evenings like that with good friends where you just sit around and you're like... And what about this? Yeah, what yeah, do you guys like, think about this? You know, it's and, like, I wonder when the second coming is. Yes. And when, and, and, and all, you just oh, and all this What do you think like, it means when this? It and, says this or that. It's yeah. really, really cool. And one thing you're going to be so happy about is it should have ended at verse 18. And they were going to go home, but it started to rain. So they stayed. And that's when you get the rest of it. Oh, that which is, is really so fun. Awesome. So, so God fun. bless the rains down in Ramus. Yeah. Because they gave us like some really cool stuff at the end. Oh, that is so awesome. And you love, one of the first things you love is in verse two. Is that, does that yeah. want to be the first yeah, one? That's... I love this one so much because I love, there they all are sitting together, talking. They're good friends, right? They're having that moment. And I love when Joseph is like, you guys. The same sociality which exists among us here will exist among us there. Like, I love that he wants to open up what heaven looks like. And and we're going to be friends up there. Relationships will continue up there. I love that you start watching him start processing this idea of sociality and what is it going to look like when we get there because that's what's going to lead us into 132 is a conversation that took place here where he was like, let me tell you what heaven's going to look like. And, you know, this this group of people that were sitting around and talking about things right now in this rainstorm, that same thing is going to happen when we get to heaven. And I just love the thought of that. You can invite people over for dessert if you want. Right. Yeah. You can't come if you're not going to tell me about my (laughs) hair. You were really hurt by that. Listen, <laughs> I was so mad last break. night. <laughs> I meant to text you how yeah. mad I was. These kind of fun things will happen there. You'll have crazy hair up <laughs> yeah. there also. And okay. it just is, it's neat. I love that you're just saying that, that it's like, maybe for the first time people are thinking, wait, my friends are still going to be my friends? And and maybe there are people like, I never even like thought of that before. Which then makes you start thinking, well, is my family going to still be my right. family? Right, right. And then will I know my wife and my husband right. when I get up there? And like, you just love that there's going to be this process. In fact, can I just jump ahead and do that little spoiler right now that I love so much? Yeah. That one. Um, there is a phrase in 132. I don't think I wrote down where it was. So you guys, everyone's just going to have to look for it. It's going to be in your 132 and mine because um, God talks about this continuing restoration that is going to be taking place. And I love that it's in 132 where he's like, I'm telling you some of this stuff right now, Joseph, but this is going to be a continuing restoration. And he tells him um, it will be made known in due time. Mm. And I love that what starts maybe in verse two of 129 and Joseph like thinking about, okay, let, let me think more about the sociality and how do we hook people together so that we make sure we're by each other in heaven? Because do you know how many people there are? So how are you going to find your people? And I love that his mind is kind of working through this. And I love when God just says to him, okay, Joseph, like I'm going to give you some of these particulars right now, but it's going to come in due time. It's going to come in due time. And you see kind of like, there's these two verses in 130 right next to each other, 12 and then 13. 12 is talking about, again, they bring up that South Carolina prophecy. Mm. Remember the Civil War prophecy? It gets brought up at this dinner party. Because remember, it's been so many years and they, so they bring it up again. It's like, wait, was that like a, 
Was that a failed prophecy in the past? And he says in 12, I prophesy in the name of the Lord God (laughs) that the commencement of these things will begin in South Carolina. And you're kind of like, okay, that seems pretty certain. Then 13, it may probably arise from, you know, and so you see a Joseph who knows some particulars in the name of the Lord very well and some other things where he's like, I think it. I think it might be this. Yeah. Or next verse, because there was a guy at the time who had predicted when the second coming would be, and they asked him about that, and he's just like in verse fourteen, he's like, you know, I actually read that in the paper, and I was mm-hmm. praying super earnestly to figure out, you know, is that true? Is that is that is it actually going to happen tomorrow? You know, type of thing. And I think it's rad, by the way, that Joseph is like way open to the fact that someone else may have figured it out. He's like. <laughs> Oh, good for you. Um, I'm going to pray and see if that's actually true because, you know, I want to set out an extra dinner plate if so. And so it just is, you see in here, just both of those that you're talking about. Which restoration is messy. We've talked about that before. And receiving revelation is messy. And in 132, you start getting into plural marriage, which who wants to talk about the messiness of that, right? That but like it, that's going to start Me. right here in 132 and it's still going to be going in the official declaration we'll get to in December with Wilford Woodruff, right? That he's still in due time trying to figure some of these things out. And I love that, that we kind of get to watch that. We get to be like, people are like, well, what do you think about this? And what do you think about this? And I love that he's like, here's what I know. And also here's some of the things that I'm just pondering on yeah. right now because I do that. Right. I'm like, these are the things that I feel really comfortable with my knowledge on. But then people will say to me all the time, but what are you studying right now? Like I love when I, I have certain friends I get together with and they're like, what are you thinking about right now? These days. And yeah. I love that it's these things that I don't necessarily have a firm command over, but that I'm like, I'm, I'm trying to let the spirit teach me about this thing yeah. right now. Um, another principle that you're going to see kind of they start learning is down in verse 18. He just talked about the, sun, the, the second coming, but he says, whatever principle of intelligence we attain unto in this mm-hmm. life. And remember intelligence, this takes us back to section 93, where we're learning that intelligence and light and truth and knowledge are all synonyms with each other. Glory was another one of those synonyms. Yep. Um, whatever... Whatever amount of that we attain to or grow into in this life, it will rise with us in the resurrection. That will also carry over. Who we become here will continue into the resurrection. And if a person gains more knowledge, intelligence, glory, truth, light um, in this life through diligence and obedience, we learned that in 93 also, they will have an advantage in the world to come. And we don't necessarily know what all those advantages are, but we are learning here, like, hold on, I can become something here and what I become here will impact, you know, what happens, what happens there. And I love like that word advantage. You could also um, substitute it for privilege, right? You'll just have different ability or privilege or advantage there because of what you've obtained here that will go with you, that you'll be like, oh, because I already have this now, I can actually move on to learning about this thing or experiencing this thing. And I love this. And I love that second word so much, right? Experiencing this. Like in order to like, like we just had a lesson in Institute on the second coming. And everyone's like, oh, I'm I'm like nervous. Am I ready for the second coming? And it was kind of like, no, 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 no. What he's inviting you to do is be ready so that you can experience mm. it with greater like happiness and, inten- and understanding, and, and understanding, right? Yeah. Like if, if you plan for something, you're going to enjoy that something so much more. And it, that seems to be the same. Yeah. And I love this. when you look at advantage, it's not like someone, um, sometimes I hate when you use that word because it, you're almost like there's this elitist group of people that you will never attain to. Yeah. And I don't think that's what he's saying. No, I think no, what no. he's saying is when you live a life with me, it is a life of progress and increase. And so however much you progress and increase, you progress. That was a weird way. Of using <laughs> I was, was going to point it out, but I let it go. <laughs> increase here is kind of where you're going to start there. And you're just going to like 
pick up and keep going. And, and we all are, right? Everybody is, wherever you are, you just, his is a, a plan of growing. And I just love that he's like, and whatever you grow to here, then when you get there, you, you don't just sit and wait. You just get to start right there and you're going to keep um, mm. growing in that relationship with God when you get there. And I love the thought of that. In my mind, that is relationship with God is this ability to always increase and progress. Yeah. Every day, every day better. And, and that phrase I love so much right now that I'm more alive to God, mm. you know, and to other people and to what's going on. And usually when we use phrases like privilege and advantage, I couldn't help but think about when I was in Africa this summer with humanitarian XP, I thought, um, I, uh, I could be here and think I have advantages and privileges as an American. And I, and I do, I do. But some of the people I met and sat with, and as we talked about God and spiritual things, I would say, oh, you have, you are enjoying so many privileges in that relationship and so many advantages in that relationship. And they're ones that I could enjoy as but well. But you haven't Right, previously. where they are accessible equally um, to all of us. Mm, that's so you know? good. So yeah. I, when you read that, I think that was really important that, that you went through. And, and the next verse even says, there, there are laws uh, irrevocably decreed in heaven before the foundation of the world upon which all these blessings are predicated. And when we attain any of these blessings from God, it's by obedience to that law upon which it was predicated. And let's just talk about that for a minute because this verse is confusing to so many people. So let's just think about that because... Sometimes we read it and, and we go to this mindset where we're like, well, if I want a blessing from God, then I have to um, this, 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 and this. And then the blessing is like owed, right? Because I did all of these things. And it's kind of this prosperity mindset, which I think what God is saying here is if you study my word, you are going to realize there are certain blessings that are attached to certain laws. And if you live that law, it's the if-then principle in the scriptures. If, if you do the if, then what comes, it, it's already spelled out for you. So we have some that we just know. Like, are you thinking of some in yeah. your mind? Yeah, um, Okay, name one. I have a couple too. Okay, one that actually the first one that came to mind was in the Ten Commandments when it says, honor in your, your father and your mother and you will live long in the land. Now, you would need a definition, you know, of what that second phrase means. But I, I like the idea of it being a natural, like, if, my, if I engage in an honorable relationship with my parents, then that, I'm going to enjoy the fruits of that relationship for years to come. Like it, mm, like, that's it's so like, good. It's natural. Like, yeah. I engage. So that's the law. And so, yeah. And, so and the, that's it the came privilege about, of right. the law or the blessing. Um, when we take the sacrament, we, the, the law is or the, the promise is, Keep the commandments. Always remember, uh, always remember him. him. Take, his, Take name. his name. And the blessing that is hooked to that is always have his spirit to be with me. We just know that is a law irrevoc irrevocably decreed. And when we are obedient to that law, that blessing just comes. The fast offering. Um, I love the law of the fast offering. It, I want to say it's in 58. Am I going to be right? Isaiah 58 yeah, or 53 yeah. or in the somewhere in the, in 50s. the 50s. That's next year. We don't have to know that yet. Um, Stop expecting so the, so the much. fast offering has a certain one. What about tithing? Yeah. The windows of heaven. Yep. It, this is the law. This is the blessing predicated upon that law. Like if I told you this, um, if, if I keep the Sabbath day holy, the windows of heaven are going to open. You would be like, oh, no, no, no. You, you got mixed up. I mean, it could happen, <laughs> but, but we are trained in some of the laws that we're like, oh no, that's the blessing that goes with tithing. And the blessing that goes with the Sabbath is spelled out too in scripture. You can go through and look, there's actually several blessings hooked to the Sabbath. There was one summer of my life that I actually just went through the scriptures and tried to look for every law and the blessing that was predicated upon that law because then I was like, then I want to start living the law better so I can live in anticipation of that blessing that is predicated upon it. The word of wisdom. Yeah. Well, I was just about to say that like this is true in every aspect of our lives. It shouldn't be surprising that there are 
health blessings that are predicated upon like the way that our bodies function. Mm -hmm. There are mental advantages predicated upon if you do cross puzzles every day. You know what I mean? Like it's like, and so spiritually also like, and particularly relationally in relationship, like there are just like privileges you enjoy in relationships if if you live in a certain way. It just is the way things are. So good. Okay. And then you love 22. Oh, I love 22 because this is one of those ones in, in primary where he says the father is a body of flesh and bones as tangible as, as man's. And this is the, the, and, and, and this is the, and the son also. And this is the first time that we are learning this particular truth. And right? we read it and we're like, I oh yeah, know. duh, I already know. And but I can didn't you imagine know the that? people at dinner who are like, wait, what? what? And the implications that come from that. If yeah. I'm just like the father has a body like the sun's. And you're like, wait, the sun has a resurrected body. And you're like, mm-hmm. Wait a second. So if he's resurrected, what happened? Was there a before that? And like, what? Don't you have to die to be resurrected? Yeah, and don't and you have to he, live to die? And you're like, God is like, in due time. Yeah. <laughs> like, let your mind start going, but in due time, I'm going to give you all of those. Yeah. And it's one year later that Joseph will actually teach publicly then that that phrase that that we um, know so well that as um, God as man now is God once was as God now is man may be, you know, and it's like, oh, then he will like he will actually teach that. But this is almost like the the seeds of it where everyone's like, huh, and just kind of like thinking through what the implications of that you know, might be. Yeah, I love that one. So 131, you know, we forgot to talk about Abraham. Oh, it's right now. We were were going to talk about it right now. Oh, right here. Okay. This is where we're going to talk about it. So um, as we get into 131 and 132, at the top of 132, I just wrote in the top of mine, because you know I love to rename all the chapters in scripture. Should I? Same. I I just, yeah. Okay. And this one wants to be called the law of exaltation. Like sometimes I just love to be like, this is a chapter heading. So then when I start reading, I'm like, oh, this is what I'm actually looking for in here. Because we sometimes say section 132 and people will say plural marriage or they'll say marriage. But don't you love that it's actually the law of exaltation, which we don't know very much about unless we get into 132. And 131 is going to be like the introduction to 132 which is going to be this principle of exaltation, which they are just trying to learn about right now. And Joseph is going to say, okay, here's what, here's what we need to know. In the celestial kingdom or in the celestial glory, there's three heavens or degrees there. And to obtain the highest, a man has to enter into this order of the priesthood, meaning the new and everlasting covenant. If he doesn't, he can't. He can enter into the others, but that is the end of his kingdom. He cannot have increase. So Joseph is going to introduce this situation now where everyone's going to be like, okay, hold on. So now when I think about heaven, there's going to be this at the top of the kingdom, the celestial kingdom, this one where you are married to enter into it. And there's something that has to do with this new and everlasting covenant of marriage. And people are going to start thinking about that. And then he's going to lay that out in 132. Let me teach you about exaltation. Now, this is something that's interesting and I think important before we even dive in is exaltation is not just a word that we learn about or use in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Exaltation is a principle that has been forever. And I once... um, one night was making dinner and Nish called and she was like, okay, tell me about exaltation. And is it only in your scripture? Is it only in the doctrine and covenants and in the book of Mormon? Or like, where would I find it in my scripture? Like, is it in the old Testament? Which then I was like, oh, I have to think about that because sometimes Nish will ask questions that I'm like, okay, it's super interesting Let me like, give me some days now to figure it out. And so I started reading, looking for what could I learn about that? And it's so fun because where I landed is in the story of Abraham. And you're going to see as we go through 132, 
that's also where God is going to take us when he wants to teach us about exaltation is back to the story of Abraham. There are two clues in Abraham that lets us know about this exaltation. One is his name. The name um, Abraham means in Hebrew, exalted father. So clear back at the beginning, um, and, and you may know this about the Old Testament, you may not, but don't worry, we're going to talk about it. <laughs> the names in the Old Testament generally have to do with the theme of that story or um, that person that we're learning about. Their name is usually the theme of their story. So it's super fun to be looking at those names. So Abraham's name, the theme that we are supposed to learn from him is about being exalted. That's what God wants us to know. And, and what and does that Sarah, look like? Sarah, his wife, has a name that means princess or queen. Like it's a, it's a royal name, that change that, that she gets. So from the very beginning, we are taught that. And in um, 15, will you go to Genesis 15? I forgot to bring my Bible oh, down yeah. here. Um, Genesis 15, in verse 1, there is one of my favorite lines of scripture. And um, it's the Lord's going to introduce himself to Abraham. And um, he says, right at the very first, after these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision saying, fear not Abram. And then he's going to say this, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. Now let's just think about that for a minute, right? The Lord is going to say to him, okay, Abram, here's what you need to know about me. I am your shield. Well, what's the job of a shield when you go to war? Like it's, it's so funny to sit and think for a minute. Okay. What's the job of the shield? And the job of the shield is protection, or we might use the word saving. I am your saving. Okay. So there, there we see that we see salvation in scripture, but there's an and right there. And I love that he says to him and your exceeding great reward. If we wanted to think about that, right? An exceeding great reward. Um, another word we might use for that, all that the father has. Um, something else we might use for that is, is something that would be a blessing that was greater than any other blessing obtainable, right? Um, or your exaltation. I am your saving and your exaltation. And all of a sudden we learn from Abraham, okay, there's two things I need to know about what the Lord is providing mm. for me. Mm. He's providing for me a saving or a way to overcome. And he's providing for me an exalting or a way to become. I get both, right? I get both of those things. But it's interesting because in Abraham's story, what we learn is that saving comes um, and, and we're going to talk about this more in a minute as we get down here, but that saving comes by virtue of the cross, right? Where Jesus, because of the virtue of the, his death and resurrection and the atonement, we are promised that all are saved from physical death and those who believe in Christ are saved from spiritual death. That's saving. Um, we all get that, that healing, that ability to overcome. And that comes because of what happened. Like in my mind, I'm always like, okay, I'm going to remember that comes from the cross. That's the picture that I'm going to put in my mind to help me remember saving. Exalting, that's becoming. And becoming requires what we're going to learn from Abraham, an order or a process. It requires ordinances and covenants. Exaltation requires a covenant path. That's what allows us to become. So there's a saving, the overcoming of death and sin and all of those things. And then there's exaltation, which is a becoming process. And that allows us to become like him. And I love that from the very beginning, God says to Abraham, you need to know about this salvation and about this exaltation that will be possible through Jesus Christ. Yeah, and, and he actually then invites Abraham to engage in that exalting process, right? And Abraham gets to choose how much he's going to, be, like that verse we read, however much through 
diligence and obedience, you know, you will have an advantage or a privilege. And he's, Abraham, here are the promises that you can enjoy. And in 15, he lays them yeah, out. He's going to lay them out, right? right? And they're going to be all the things that we know. It's a, a forever family, posterity. It's going to be priesthood, ordinances, and covenants. There, he, Like God clearly lays out for him, this is what exaltation looks like. Right, right. And let me show you the order or the law or the pattern that you would live in order to enjoy that kind of lifestyle. I, I just love when we talk about exaltation, it's not what I'm going to get as much as what is, what is it I'm going to enjoy? What is and it I'm become. going to experience and become and live as? Like, what do you want to live as, Abram? Do you want to live as Abram or do you want to live as Abraham? Mm. Do you want to live together as, as nomads in Egypt? Or would you like to become a king and queen? Of a promised of land. Of a promised land, right? Yeah. And I can, I, can get, I can get you there. I can, I can give you the laws and give you the experiences that will help you to become this. And you love that he's going to choose Abraham. That's who he's going to choose in 132. We were talking about earlier. It's so interesting because in scripture, sometimes we get vignettes, right? Mm. We get the woman who touched Christ's robe or the woman who um, was at the well, or we get to see Nicodemus for a second, or we, we see the rich young ruler, right? We see vignettes. And then we're like, what happened? to them. What's the end of their story? But sometimes in scripture, God gives us a person's life for Mm -hmm. examination. That's what he gives us. And we get to watch them start and go through that overcoming and that becoming process from beginning to end, right? We get to see that with Paul. Um, We see it with Abraham. We're going to do it with Jacob. Alma. And Nephi, you you kind of get it with Nephi, where you get to actually watch someone go through this exalting process. And Abraham is the one God's going to choose. And I think this year we've watched it with um, Joseph. Joseph. Yeah, Yeah. in particular. Yeah. We've kind of like gotten to see a lot of his thoughts and a lot of his, you know, mind and heart. Yeah. And and exaltation is something that happens in due time. Yeah. Yeah. That is true. You don't just wake up one morning and you were exalted overnight, but this, it is a that, process of relationship. And that takes away like a checkbox mentality mm. entirely. It's like, well, if I do this, 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 and this, then I get exaltation. And it's like, oh, no, no, no. If you engage in this kind of relationship, being engaged in that relationship and in that law and in that order, the natural result of that is you becoming um, Which is so good because where is it um, of you. in verse 24 of 132 when he says, this is eternal lives, or this is exaltation, to know the only wise and true God and Jesus Christ, right? That's it. It's knowing them. That's what we're trying to accomplish here. And that happens as we day by day build relationship. That's eternal life. It's knowing them at the end. And what are you doing every single day that is allowing you to know them. And so we dive into this, this section, section that's going to teach us about exaltation. And, and it started in 131 when he, he begins to teach this idea of there is, we learned from Jesus and Nicodemus back in, in the New Testament that to enter into the kingdom of God, you have to enter into the covenant of baptism. Hmm. Now we're learning in 131 to enter into a what's going to be called a fullness, to be able to enjoy a fullness of the kind of life God lives, you must enter into this particular order. And this is where he's going to start teaching it. And we get introduced to, remember we learned like relationships are going to continue on the same sociality. And now all of a sudden it's like, oh, and in particular marriages will. And marriages have um, a lot of implications that, that come with them. Oh, we were going to. And children will. And children children. will continue. And, um, There's this line, Parley mm. P. Pratt learns from Joseph coming back around the same time. Um, it's actually one of the first mentions of that I can find. Someone might find a, a, an earlier one of the idea of eternal marriage is right around this time. Joseph says, I mean, Parley P. Pratt says, um, 
It was Joseph who taught me how to prize the endearing relationships of my life. It was from him that I learned that my wife might be secured to me for time and all eternity, and that the refined sympathies and affections which endeared us to each other emanated from the fountain of divine eternal love. He's like, there's a reason I loved her so (laughs) dearly. It was from him I learned that I could cultivate those affections and grow in them and increase in them the same to all eternity. And he said, and, and once I learned that, he says, I had loved before, but I knew not why. Now I loved with a pureness, an intensity of elevated, exalted feeling that would lift my soul from things of this earth to things um, that expanded as wide as the ocean. And I you're, love that part. Yeah, you're seeing that in him where I was like, yes, I loved. But now knowing what I knew, I was beginning to love with an intensity. Like it was in... Like what I was enjoying and experiencing began to intensify and I, and I was in, enjoying it and experiencing it in a grander way. And so you just you yeah, start you love seeing that, that with these. Yeah, you're going to yeah. start seeing this idea of this fullness. One of the things that we thought would be super helpful for you, um, I had the opportunity actually a week ago to go and speak to a stake in Oregon. And their, their Stake Relief Society president wrote me and said, here are some of the things that we are struggling with in our area. And and she just kind of listed out some of these things. And she said to me, section 132 would actually answer a lot of our greatest struggles of the questions our women are having, which I was so intrigued by. And one of the questions they were asking is we don't understand exaltation and then how it applies to where we're living right now and what we're doing right now. And if we could understand this, would it answer some of our social and cultural questions that we're so deep in right now trying to figure out? And as we start looking at this, you're going to notice on your journal pages. And if you don't have a journal page, we're going to help you with some of these things that are on the board. And we'll say the words out loud if you're listening. There's some of the things you want a definition for. As you start reading You wish you had a definition and exaltation is easier to understand if you know the vocabulary that goes with it. And so we're going to go through some of it and we are going to give you the vocabulary word and answers. And then what our hope is that you'll go back when we're done and read from 129 through 132 with your vocabulary list. And all of a sudden you'll be like, oh, Okay, I'm starting to see things here that I maybe wouldn't have noticed before because it kind of takes a long time to go through and be like, okay, let me take this word. What does this mean? Let me take this word. What does this mean? And then bring all that knowledge back and read it. So we thought it'd be really awesome to just start at the beginning and give you some definitions as we go. So we're going to start in 131, verse 2. The first word you want to understand is the word order. Um. Sometimes we think to ourselves when God says, like about his temple, that it is a house of order. We want it to be really clean, right? Mm. We do that. We're like, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be orderly. Or um, there's going to be an order of a sequence of things. But sometimes when God talks about this order, and we've, we've talked about this several times, so this will not be new to you. He's talking about... Uh, um, I don't want to say community, but like a... A, a group that kind of has a, a common pattern of living. Yes. And a common cause. So you think about it when you talk about the order of the phoenix or the order of the knights of the round table. There's just a certain way they live that allows them the privilege of the order. And sometimes when you see that word order, you you want to be thinking, he's not talking about how clean your house is, um, or, or a certain like order of checklist or scorekeeping, he's actually talking about a way of living that opens up a whole different life for you. Yeah. And in his language at the time, he was like, you have entered into an ironic order way of living of, you know, faith, repentance, baptism, living in influence of the Holy Spirit. Now I'm introducing you to a patriarchal order. He's calling on those words of the Old Testament again, like to live in 
now just this different pattern of living together with a with a spouse. That is the that's the unique part about this particular order, you know, or this new like kind of way of living. And yeah. it's hard that I, we wish we could do a whole class right now on that word patriarchal because sometimes in our society now that is a word that we don't um, want to lean into. Mm. When you understand it in the Old Testament, you're like, oh, I actually love that word. But if you understand it in the culture we live in today, you actually don't really like that word. We should save the word. We will. We're going to do it in the Old Testament. We can't do it today. But But we could give it a synonym and say a familial order, a relationship order, like a marriage order would be, you know, because by definition, you cannot in the... Old Testament world have a patriarch without a matriarch. Yep. Like they are equal, equal to and each other. And they have to be together in order for progress to be made. So in, when we say fact, patriarchal, one, we're not an, a patriarchal order. We're not talking about a man. We're talking about a man and a woman. That is how it would be understood. Yeah. And that's really what he's teaching mm-hmm. right here. He says, oh, if you are not, you may not enter into this order without a spouse. Yeah. You know, without a wife, without a husband, you it's you can't do it by yourself. Yeah, it just doesn't. It wouldn't work. Yep. You know. Um, okay, so we love that word. The next word is the new and everlasting covenant of marriage, and one of the words that is associated with I should have given you um, exaltation words because you kind of want a list of words that just better define exaltation. Um, in one thirty verse nineteen that part that we read that talks about gaining more or that advantage, that hints of exaltation. Anything that is going to talk about more or all or a fullness or a greater privilege or greater advantage, those would be exaltation words. Um, Increase. If you see the word increase anywhere, that's going to be an exaltation word. Progress um, is an exaltation word. Worthy of more, we're going to talk about a continuation. Uh, when you see the word a hundredfold in scripture or multiply or a multiplicity of blessings, these are all like exaltation words. Those are like synonyms for exaltation. So you, you want to think about that when you think about the new and everlasting covenant. It's a fullness. Um, that's going to be just a fullness of everything. And, or- and it... Or maybe we say it like this. Maybe we say it like this. It's the it's the vehicle that enables a person to accept a fullness into their life, right? It's like um, when I enter into any of the covenants, the new and everlasting covenant is the collection of all covenantal yeah, ordinances. Sometimes people will call it the fullness of the gospel. Right. It's well, just yeah, everything. Right. And if I choose to enter into that new and everlasting covenant, what I'm saying is I... Now, God, want you to engage into my heart and in my life. You know? Everywhere. And, yeah. In like, all. I'm not going to keep back anything. Like, I want the fullness. I want right. all that the Father has. And so, and sometimes you could use it. It's used here, new and everlasting covenant of marriage. You could also say new and everlasting covenant of baptism. You know, you could say that also. This is one particular is part of, yeah. Of his gospel. Of all of it. So it's that way of receiving it, of accepting it. it yeah. that, like, um, and if you want to know where to find these, one of my favorite places to go in your gospel library app is guide to the scriptures. Hmm. So you can go there, topical guide, uh, the Bible dictionary. Those are all places, but guide to the scriptures is generally my first. That's just where I start. It's going to give you a definition and a whole bunch of verses where you can read it in context and then be like, Oh, I see where this Mm. is taking me. So we want to know that there's going to be an order that is going to help you live to your fullest potential is is kind of how he starts out. And in verse four of 131, you you can enter um, into any other, but that's going to be the end. He tells you that will be the end of that kingdom or you, you can enter this one. If you do the other, that's the end of your increase. Within the new and everlasting covenant, you're going to experience increase is what he tells us. And I think it's important in verse seven, where he's going to talk about um, some of the things you will discern as your eyes become more pure. So part of living the order is going to be this priesthood plus 
righteousness that is going to allow you a purity that's going to help you see things in a different way than you might have otherwise seen them. Yeah, well said. That's so awesome. So as you keep going into 132, and the question that kind of came up at the beginning of 132 is, tell me more about Abraham and David and Moses and these marriages. And God kind of says like, okay, I will handle that. But first, I need to explain to you this concept that is new for you of eternal exalted marriage. Like you've got to understand that. The groundwork. Yeah, first, before I can even address. And, and you love what's more, even more important. Like, prepare your heart. Yeah, that <laughs> really like, is. Like, do you want to ask that question? Yeah. You know, is what is what he says, right? Um, and, and then he goes into this. I'm about to give unto you, verse 3, for all those who have this law revealed must obey the same. I reveal unto you, verse 4, a new and everlasting covenant. There it is again. And if you abide not that covenant, then you are damned. Now, that word is a little scary, mm-hmm. you know, when you read it initially. But scripturally, it just is the opposite of increase. And we're going to take you, let's let's actually do, just pause for a minute here. Yours is so much cleaner than mine that let me show yours. Um, and then I'll show you mine. So you want to come right here and there's fullness. And then you have saved. And then you have damned. Let's just think about that for a minute. I actually drew a triangle on mine. Sorry about the notes for my lesson, you guys. I I like to write 10,000 things. Because you want to understand that word fullness, the word saved, and the word damned. And do you want to go like all the way through six? All three of them? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Okay, verse six. And as pertaining to the new and everlasting covenant, it was instituted, it was given, it was prepared for the fullness of my glory to be given to others. And he that receiveth the fullness thereof must and shall abide the law, the order, the pattern, the conditions of that law, or he shall be damned, saith the Lord. Right? So he is introducing, there is this concept that is hard for us to even, we don't even know what it means, but there is an increase that eventually leads to a fullness, a fullness of, we saw in another section, power, glory, light, truth, relationship. Like there is all the father has. A person can live out that same life. So there is this potential that is like our exalted heavenly parents, right? The words that are used are king and queen and priest and priestess and, and, and eternal lives. Mm-hmm. You know, like these are, these are the words that are used for, for fullness, right? He says, if a person does not abide by the law of the fullness, then by definition, they would be damned because the law of the fullness is an ever-increasing experience. And if you're not ever-increasing and you're just stopped, then the definition of that is damned. So I think it's interesting because sometimes we look at heaven and we do this, and it's, it's cultural a little bit just from society that we live in. That in our mind, we're like, there's heaven or there's hell. So if you either have heaven, which is the fullness, or you have, or you're damned, and that means hell, and it's the place you're going. Does that make sense? We we kind of assign those mm-hmm. the place where you're gonna end up. Live where the pl- yeah location. Yeah, and what he's talking about here is not that. What he's saying to you is there is actually a way of living, right? And down here where we talk about these three things, you live within this space, right? There is what we talk about being saved, where the um, guide to the scriptures will tell us saved or salvation is that um, you can overcome physical death. That's for all. You can overcome spiritual death. That's for those who believe in Jesus. And I just put a little cross right here because I was like, okay, that's salvation. I'm going to put that there because I want to remember this is what it means to be saved. Damned does not mean hell. Damned is like if you had a river in your backyard and you put rocks right there, you dammed up that river. It's just that you stopped its progress. That's damned. And that can happen like today to right, me, right? right. That, that I could live in that we would maybe call it damnation, which just means I've decided not to move forward anymore. I'm just stopped in progress. So that's a way of living, he tells us. If it, You could choose 
to be damned, um, which is just no progress for you, no increase in your life right now. It's, it's just that way of living. Or you can live in this salvation life, this place of overcoming and um, overcoming sin and faith and repentance and learning obedience. You could live in this space. That's a, a space you can live in. And then there's also this fullness. Um, I drew in mine a temple um, because this is this is another step, right, in progress. He's like, there, there also is this covenant path. If you choose that you can enter into and become, right, rather than just overcoming, you can become. And we kind of live in this triangle space of these three places. And sometimes I think we forget about that. We get so caught up in this end game, what this is going to look like. And where am I going to go? And where am I going to go? And, and also where are all the people who live with me going to go? Like we get caught up in that where sometimes I want to be like, could we just meet people where they are? Because we might have someone whose river is stopped up. And instead of talking to them about temple ordinances and covenants, you almost just want to go there and be like, can I help you move some rocks right now? And after you're done moving rocks for a little bit, then you might be like, can I tell you about Jesus mm-hmm. and his atonement and how you can overcome sin and death? And can we look at what like overcoming looks like and, in a and, life? And even who Jesus is, because why am I wanting to engage in a covenant relationship? Why am I wanting to invite him into my story unless I trust and, and love yeah. him already. And there's that moment him. of learning about overcoming and about healing and saving and rescue and delivering that you're like, maybe we should just like sit there for a minute until you have that figured out. Because then what I want to tell you about is this path, this covenant path of becoming, and you can actually become like him. But I, I need you to know him before you want to become like him. And then this place becomes really fluid mm-hmm. for us because there are some days where I will look and be like, I feel like I've plateaued right now. You know, yeah. do you ever have that where I'm oh, like, absolutely. I think I need to move some rocks. That's where I am right now. And that's that's the beauty of that. That just like to use that word damn doesn't mean like not forever you're damned, but rather like currently in this place that you're in, you have stopped your progression and your yeah. increase. And so what do I need to do now right. that is going to help me? overcome and become, right? I'm going to experience saving and exaltation and I'm going to experience it here. Um, Okay, we want to give you just a few more words and then we're going to end with um, Abraham. And so I think, you know, in relation to what you were saying right there, it says this in verse seven about the conditions Mm. of, so it says that these are the conditions of this law. So the law of exaltation If you are interested in it, Mm -hmm. if that is where and how you want to live, here are the conditions of that law. And it's going to use words that are like sealed, anointed, priesthood, authority, and order. Those are all words you are going to want to define so you can understand this law actually requires you to need sealing, which happens in a temple, priesthood which the keys are within the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, someone who is anointed to be able to help you with that process, with the authority who understands how to help you live within the order. Those are all words that you're going to want to look up. um, That sealed means it's valid on heaven and in earth. And it will tell you, use this phrase, sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. And that is a function of the Holy Spirit himself to ratify and, and verify um, a, like a certain covenant relationship that was made. He kind of yep. comes in and puts the stamp of approval you on it. You love the um, guide to the scripture says, it's when the Holy Ghost approves and confirms as acceptable. And then there's three things, acts, ordinances, and covenants. So you, you love the relationship of the spirit in this. Um, sealing, I love this. It means it's valid in heaven and earth, right? That's sealing. So you kind of want to have an understanding of that vocabulary. Anointed means it's someone with the priesthood acting in authority. You want to have that understanding of that word. 
Um, and and then, then I think we've defined every single Yeah, word. when you go into verse 19 for exaltation, that's the verse that we take you to for that one. That is just a really long explanation of what we just said. And then 20 will then explain and give synonyms for what that means, that there will be an increase, that you will live as God lives, that it, it will just kind of be a list of what those what those blessings mm-hmm. are. Um, they are the same blessings that were promised to Abraham, that these are the ones that God is reiterating again. And you love that he's going to come back to that. In 132, he's going to be like, Joseph, if you want to figure this out, you got to watch the works of Abraham. And, and we love that if you want to know the works of Abraham, then you want to get into the Old Testament and you want to watch him live his story, right? You want to see how he entertained in his home and in his living spaces, holy men. You want to see how he was willing to sacrifice for the Lord. You want to see where he faced his home and how he took care of his brother and his family. You want to see where he was like seeking for things that were better and trying to understand and have more knowledge and asking questions and stumbling through. Like there's so much of that story. That... Yeah, and we'll do that. We're yeah. about to do that. <laughs> Everyone, we're so happy. So it's just neat right there at the bottom right that he just says, this promise that I gave to Abraham is yours also. Like it is yours to participate in, to engage in, and to experience. So my advice is go pattern your life. In the, if you need someone yeah. to pattern your life after, Abraham is a, is, is, is a great person to do. And as you go through this and learn about all these things, other questions are going to come up, right? You, you might start having questions about Heavenly Mother. You might have questions about plural marriage. I mean, everyone at the time had questions back then about plural marriage. A lot of the same questions we have today. Um, you might have questions about becoming like God. You might have questions about priesthood, temple, um, where women fit in everything. So what we want to tell you is, if you have any of those questions as you're going through this, one of our favorite resources is on the Gospel Library app. If you just search essays, um, what's going to come up is Gospel Topic Essays, and all four of those things are in there. There's a whole essay on plural marriage. There's an essay on Heavenly Mother. There's an essay on Becoming Like God. There's an essay on Priesthood and Temple and women and what Joseph Smith thought about all those things. Those would be really good places for you to take a deeper dive. But as we went through and looked at this lesson, we were like, you first have to understand exaltation and the law of exaltation before you can even start moving into any of those other spaces. Yeah. And, and, and how that law and those blessings are ours irrelevant of like the plural marriage law that had to be, you know, that some entered into in that time. Like we wanted to separate those who would see like, oh, this is where you, Joseph has a question about this and God's like, okay, I'm going to get to that. But first I need to teach you this. I need to teach you about um, increase and I need to teach you about fullness fullness and, and the and, order. Yeah. And, and, and that you can engage in this on any level that you would like, and you can experience more. You can, you can go from desert nomads to Kings and Queens and priests and priestesses. And I'm going to be in that journey there with you. And, and, and it just is, it's, uh, yeah. just, and then you know, all of a sudden you're like, I, I want to know more about this. Teach me more about this process of overcoming and then becoming. Help me see what that looks like. And that is one of the things I love the most about the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is it is a church that wants to teach you about the overcoming and the becoming. It is a church that wants to teach you about the cross and the temple. And those are things that have been part of the plan since the very beginning foundations of his kingdom. And I love that it all comes together here. I came across this quote and, and just as you were talking about this triangle part that we like live in this. And sometimes we think about it as an end destination. And sometimes even these things like, oh, we were, we were sealed. So that means we're going to live together forever. And it's this, you know, future. Mm. We did, we checked that box off. And, and so, so that happens. And I read this from a talk from President Faust and back in 2004. And he says this, these ordinances become dynamic and productive of good as they reveal themselves in our daily lives. Mm. 
The heart is the center of the emotions and the conduit for revelation. This sealing power thus reveals itself in family relationships and attributes and virtues developed in a nurturing environment. And and I just love that idea of... It's now. Yes, I didn't... When I talk about sealing with Jenny, I'm like, yes, we entered into a new order of the priesthood when we were we were sealed. Um, we, we made and entered into that, as it says right there, and we're striving to keep it. But when someone asks about why did you go to the temple to be sealed, I want to say, <laughs> because most marriages are really hard to keep mm. productive and alive and happy. And we went to the temple to invite God into our marriage and into our family and to say, this will probably end in chaos without you, you know? And so will you please, that sealing ordinance to me is inviting God into, mm. you know, that, that marriage. And for right now, our relationships right now, they, it can be enjoyed and experienced now. And we can know him now. We don't right. have to wait until we get there. We can know him now. Yeah. So. So good. So awesome, everybody. Yeah. Okay. Good see week. you next week. This audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at Don't Miss This. Also, sign up for our newsletter at don'tmissthisstudy.com and you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler. Thanks for listening. Bye.